And welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have none other than Boya Far. What's going on, my brother? How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. I'm going to hit you with the question that we normally ask our guests during their first time visiting the show, and I anticipate you'll be here more often. But talk us and walk us through the arc of your career. Talk about your career, informative experiences that led you to write this book, America Made Me a Black Man. Indeed. First, let me say thank you to you. And I, 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 this is my first show. I appreciate you. Bakara means hopeful and promising. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, well, I came to this country in 1993 as a teenager, and and coming here, I I absolutely thought America was I was I was I, I was coming from Somalia, a civil war, uh, deprivation, diseases, uh, refugee camps, and America to me was was heaven. I really wanted to get here, and you know, so I, I carried so much love to come to America, you know, uh, and I I first city that I went to called Bedford. It's a it's an all white town. It's uh, beautiful. It's got a lot of greenery. So my first introduction to America and the love that I carry actually matched. And I didn't really become an American until I started actually working. Um, you don't really assimilate or you really become an American until you actually uh, begin working. And, right. and so that's when I, America showed me a different um, uh, itself. I mean, completely different. Basically, uh, 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 as soon as I get a job, first, I, was, I really had, I had so many interactions with the police. I had so many, so many different interactions with white America, but I dismissed it because, you know, the love that I care for America was bigger. And, but as soon as I get a job, that's actually when I begin to know that I'm a black man living in America. Talk to me about when you found out you would be a writer though, because being a black man in America, being someone who came and uh, wanted to, to partake of the bounty that is this country, it's another thing to take your place and stake it out as a writer and share your experience. And we are so grateful that you did. Thank you. Thank you. The first time, actually, um, my freshman year, I wrote an essay. And the essay was uh, comparing the two great uh, civil rights uh, uh, icons, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Malcolm X basically um, reminded me of my own father, reminded me of one culture that that that, that, you know, confrontation, if you, you know, that's how I grew up. So I compared the two and I favored Malcolm over Martin because, and then my teacher told me, go back and change. And my, my, you know, Malcolm X was a violent guy and there's no way you're going to, you're going to say Malcolm was better than this. And then, so I refused to change it because my, you know, once again, my culture says it is what I believe and that's it. But at that moment, I remember the teacher telling me that I'm a writer. And, but of course, destiny doesn't really, you know, a, a teenager, I really didn't believe that. But many years after, I get to know that I, what, their words were real. More than one time I was told that I'm a writer. And only when I feel this pain, this perpetual pain, against, you know, uh, against black bodies, that's when I actually got upset and go back to the pen, the computer. Let me ask you this question, though, because yeah. uh, before we before we get into the book, which I would definitely want to get into the book. But one of the things yeah. you touch on is a tension that's oftentimes felt between black immigrants and native born black Americans. Uh, how much is American racism a natural bonding experience for all blacks in Americas, um, no matter where they come from? And how much is this is a theme in your book? Uh, part of it, because think about it, when I was living in, in Somalia, in the valley, in Mogadishu, in, in the refugee camp, the images that were, that were fed, 
uh, for black black people living in America was nothing was not a pretty Im image. It was you know thugs, prostitute, lazy people. So when you come into this country, you really believe that all the things inside your head is like true. You gotta work, if you work hard, you're gonna be different. You know what I mean? All these things. Of course, I came I came into the country as 15 year old teenager, and and it only you only know the reality when you begin to interact and become assimilated into the culture or, or you have great teachers that tell you the difference between what's being fed to you as a child and the reality on the ground in America at two different things. So part of it shows up in the book as well. Why did you write it? One, it was a therapy. Two, uh, 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 there was no, you know, sometimes you feel like there's no escape. You know, I see a lot of, I lost some of my, I lost some friends in the war. I lost some friends in the refugee camp. I also lost some friends to American racism right here in America. I mean, talk about uh, so, that. I mean, I know so, you talk about it in the book, but go a little deeper. You lost some friends in the war. Tell me what that means. You lost some friends in the refugee camp. Tell me what that means. And then tell me what it means when you lost some friends here too and how that compares. Uh, the, the, when I lost friends in the war, war is immediate. You know, you're in it. There's bloodshed. It's like, you know, you expect to die. You know, so you bury a person, that person dies, you pray over that dead body, you move on. Uh, in the refugee camp, it was the same. I remember in the refugee camps, I got, I got, I got malaria and I was actually sitting in a, in a tent. There was a decaying body next to me. I remember praying to God that God, dear God, don't kill me. Let me get to America first. And then when you get to America, where you think democracy lives, everything is beautiful. Everybody's having a good time. Uh, this is heaven on earth. Let me get here. And then I get here. And the pain that I, that I feel, or even the pain that my coworkers or my friends felt uh, against this, this gigantic racism thing, because racism, you can't really touch it. War, I can touch it. I know exactly where the enemy is. And ra racism, you don't know who the enemy is. It's systematic. It just eats you inside. And basically, you, you, know, you don't even, you self-destruct. Where in a war, you can pick up a gun and go fight, and you know exactly where your enemy is. Here, you self-destruct, you, you lose sleep, you can't eat, taste bud changes, diseases come, and when there's no escape, what else are you gonna do? There's not, there's no escape. So this is a, a giant pain of prison in America, and there has to be an outlet. And so writing was my outlet. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And so well, tell me if, if you were talking to somebody in an elevator and they wanted to know they were going from the from the lobby to the 11th floor, what would you tell them would be uh, the theme or what America made me a black man is about? Well, it's, it's about pain. It's about uh, an African-born American who feel trapped uh, living in the systematic racism that's, that's attacking him from every corner of life in America. And, you know, uh, this, this book is... It's metaphorical love story, really. Um, you know, if you, if you read the book, there's, there's a balance between love and hate. And, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a therapy. And I know a young black man uh, who are watching, if they get a chance to read the book, it will be a therapy as well. No, I'm giving it to all the young kind of black male mentoring groups that I, that I know and um, young people that, that are going on to the next level uh, of life. Tell me, how did, how much did George Floyd and his death and his life after death motivate you to write this book? Uh, I really, I felt, you know, I, I was skipping a lot of pain to myself and I was writing another book called Son Might Carry, Carry My Blood before. I was writing this on the side. Let me just give a shout out to my agent who actually told me, let me see whatever you're writing. And that's how this book actually came out. But really when I saw George Floyd, it actually brought the pain home. I, I, I felt absolutely, that I just couldn't escape from this. I mean, and what can I do? I mean, it, it, it literally was pain felt by black men yeah. or black people around the world. Yeah, it was really, really dramatic. And at that moment, watching that, that humiliating, you know, you see yourself in, 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 a, in an image, a horrible picture. And I mean, what do you do? I, I just didn't know what to do. Should I escape? Should I run? Should I continue to dance as black people have been dancing and entertaining? And it's this, we have to confront this giant uh, 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 pain that, that attacking us from everywhere. My father was a fighter. I'm still, you know, I, I read some of your work and I appreciate your father's work because I feel like the uh, the spirit is working yeah. here, yeah. Uh, connecting. I really appreciate that because you, my father was in the trenches fighting. Your father was in 1965, uh, the Immigration Act. It's, it's, there's a direct link between you and my life immigrating to this country. And, but when you're an uneducated, you really don't know those things. Correct. As soon as and you they become an keep, American. They want to keep you uneducated. Yeah, you become an educated person. You get to see the light. You see the connection. There's a greater connection. And so I got to say, I got to give my gratitude to all the people before us who paved the way for us even to talk. You know, books tend to change the authors just as much as they change the readers. So how did this project change you? And what do you want people to get out of this book? Um, the, I really want... I'm, I'm a product of war, I'm a product of tragedy, I'm a product of death, and I still have some hope. My own mother told me not to write this book. The reason being is she said, America let you in to the country when we had no any other country to go to, they let us in. Therefore, write about peace, peace, love, love. I love America, I love America, I love America. But that's not the truth. You know, I want to be able, America, to change. I want to, I want to, truth I want to write the truth about America so America can look at itself in the mirror and say, hey, we've been wrong. We can fix this. 
we're an American. You know, this is this problem has been ongoing for a very, very long time. And young people, young Americans can fix it, but we'll have no country because uh, karma. I know a lot about those who do bad to human beings. It comes back. And back in the day, karma was carried by turtles. Now it's carried by uh, eagles or, or birds. So it comes quick. So we have to be careful what we do to other human beings. That's, that's very profound. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Let me, let me ask you a crazy question. So if America made you a black man, uh, talk about identity before that. And what were you before then? And what do you think this newly minted black man, um, how do you feel about him now that you realize how America views you? Well, before I was my father's son, I'm a, I was a nomad. I look at white men in the eyes. I'm equal to him. I mean, if, I, if I have to go pick up a gun and fight, I would. That's how my father told me. Never, never, never think you're below anyone. Uh, but when you come here, it's a different story. You know, so... Uh, and then I get to see my first introduction to America was Marcus Polk, um, uh, and also Tupac Shakur. I identify a lot <laughs> with Tupac Shakur. Your introduction was Malcolm X and Tupac Shakur, man. We about to you gonna be on the front lines, screaming right <laughs> I know. Well, well, because the uh, you know my culture is more like a nomadic culture that says respect to me, I respect you. But if you violate that respect, I don't care what you got, I'm gonna come after you. You know what I mean? Like there has to be an equal, I'm human, you're human, you know, those things. And I thought Malcolm was brave enough to say that, you know, this is it. And I saw Tupac was just a poetic and Somalia is known as a nation of poets. Therefore, poetry behind the music, that's rap. So I, that, that's how I, uh, how I made the connections. But right now, uh, I, I, I'm a black man. I'm an African born black American. The reason being is America really doesn't care whether you were born here or, or, or born somewhere else. If you're black, they're going to stop you. Maybe, maybe they might let you go afterwards, but you get the same treatment from work. All my African-American friends, we get exactly the same treatment. 
Um, so living in the belly now and working in the belly, being assimilated into the culture, uh, I feel the pain. But before this, I really didn't feel much pain because even though I live in America until college days, I really didn't feel much until I began to work. You know, your story is so, I mean, it, it, we, we hear about the story of the immigrant often, but your story is so powerful because it's not an immigrant story, it's a fighter story. And just thinking about your father, thinking about Tupac, thinking about Michael Max, you put them all in the same category. I hope your book does numbers. Tell people where they can buy it, Thank you. where, where Thank it's you. out, where it's available. Appreciate you, man. Give people all those important things that matter. Thank you. Thank you. And, I, and I found out you're a writer, so I'm about to pick up your book. You know, it's, it's, it's love. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really want to, I really, I wrote this book really for a lot of, uh, you know, a black man or a black woman who struggle with me working in the United States from bouncing from one job to the next thing. You really, you know, if you lose your job, you lose everything. Uh, you know, in America, it's not like the village where you can go to the water well and fetch water and have a, you know, uh, milk a goat. You know, it's not like that here. You know, here, you got to get a job. Uh, you know, so that frustration drives you to death, perhaps the worst. Well, thank you, man. That's all I can say. This has been Appreciate powerful. It, I hope everybody goes out and gets the book, America Made Me a Black Man. Uh, Boya Farah, thank you so much for joining us today on the Bakari Sellers podcast, brother. Thank you, Bola. Appreciate it.